At this time, I'm going to invite our guest preacher forward, Mario Viers, uh, who is the pastor at the American Protestant Church in Bonn, Germany, currently. It comes to us originally from South Africa and pastored many years through the Dutch Reformed Church in South Africa and then had a season uh, at a church in New Zealand. And so uh, has recently come to Europe and has graciously uh, agreed to come and preach to us today. And he's going to tell you a little bit more about the AICEME. Uh, and the group that's here today and what they are about in their ministry. So, Mario, come on forward. Good morning, Prague. Good morning. It seems a good height. Thank you for your welcoming words this morning, Mike. Thank you for um, your hospitality in having us here this morning to worship with you. And thank you so much for... um, giving me the opportunity this morning to be uh, standing in front of you. So please spare a prayer and a thought for our president, for our chairperson, um, who um, most probably has contracted COVID during this week. And um, so it happens that I'm the reserve player and um, find myself this morning addressing you. We... um, do have uh, quite the executive council that have uh, treated us to a fantastic week here in your lovely city and have given us the opportunity to quite um, a few new experiences. Let me start first of all just to give you a little bit of of background to the role of ACME, Um, that is the association that I believe, do three very important things to pastors serving abroad, serving in Europe, and in the Middle East. The first, I believe, which is of great importance, is pastoral care. So when you leave what is familiar, and you find yourself in a strange new city, and a new language that you need to to get to know, then it's very helpful to know, even if it's some miles away, that you belong to an association of people that do find themselves in the same context, in the same scenario, dealing with the same challenges. And that's where ACMA is really a key player in helping those of us that um, have to find our feet in a new ministry. But they do not only support professional ministers and pastors, but also spouses their families, and they are most probably then just a phone call away, a Zoom meeting away, an email away to um, help address issues that may be challenging for pastors coming from so many different locations to minister in Europe and the Middle East. Pastoral care is crucial. The second one that Eichmann assist with is professionalism. So this has been my first experience of um, having a week away from Bonn in Germany. And it gives one the opportunity to, to network. It gives one the opportunity to get to know your colleagues, which um, contributes in so many ways to, um, to what ministry is like here in, in Europe. It helps us develop 
our ministry and our profession. And that gets done if you can share and join in with others in the same context. And then the third one, which I believe is also pretty much key to, um, to this association, is to help profit the gospel. And that needs most probably a bit of explaining. Many of our international churches have people coming and going all the time. Would that, be, would that be your profile as well here in Prague? Yeah, I can see some nodding and smiling. It happens within international churches. Especially for us in Bonn, Germany, we see that very often. We have a great opportunity to, while we have people for a season in our midst, and in our churches to invest in them the gospel of Jesus Christ. To develop the gifting that they've received from the Holy Spirit. So that when they leave Bonn or Prague, wherever, and they are off to a new um, career challenge, maybe a new contract that they've signed somewhere else in the world, we at least know that we have invested into their lives with the expectation that God will make good use of it. That it will bear through 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And that we can, in a small way, claim um, some of that. So it goes pretty much with the three key words. Pastoral care, professionalism, and to profit the gospel. And I'm very blessed and very pleased to be part of this, um, of this association and um, this mixed fruit salad that you have so well presented here this morning. Let me do a short prayer and then I will get into our reading for this morning from the New Testament, the book of Romans. But first... Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place this morning. And in some ways, we give you thanks that you do not want to be anywhere else except where your people meet in your name. We thank you for the church, your body, unto the ends of the earth. And we thank you for this amazing privilege to be here in Prague with fellow brothers and sisters. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will meet with us in our different circumstances, different challenges, different backgrounds. And that we may leave this place of worship Different than when we've entered it. We give you thanks that it's not the work of man or woman. It's all you're doing. And so we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, <clears throat> I would so like to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament. Um, the book of, of Romans, and I will be reading from um, 
from chapter 6. Now, agreeing yesterday to come and do the preaching this morning, I thought it would be fair to, as an introduction, just share a little bit on what we have been doing in Prague the past week and share a little bit of my impressions as an introduction to the content in chapter 6. Very mindful that if there was anyone else of our group standing in front here this morning, they most probably would have shared a different angle, different experiences. Um, But thank you for allowing me to then share on, um, on some experiences as an introduction. Our theme this morning is the three villains that we deal with in our Christian journey and our Christian life. And you know this so well. The three villains that we constantly need to face and fight. And they seem to be just lurking behind every corner. Is sin, death, and the law. And Paul addresses these three In chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. That's our reading for this morning. You are very welcome to keep your Bibles at Romans chapter 6, just so that you can have a reference. We had a very interesting and at times challenging week. 
for me, it was a time to reevaluate the meaning of the sacraments, baptism and the Eucharist or communion. We had an opening meeting, an official opening meeting with a worship service where we had the opportunity as people from different regions to celebrate Holy Communion. But we were also reminded of our baptism. Kyle, he um, did something quite extraordinary. As we were singing and praising, he, um, he had a silver bowl and he just walked through the pews and he would just sprinkle water on us, reminding us of our baptism in Christ, that we are rooted in Christ. And in celebrating the communion, the fact that we are connected to each other as the body of Christ. That was a real special event for me. And suddenly I found myself having to recall the importance of the sacraments that, that has a tendency to journey with us through our Christian life. But then, also having an experience of being reminded of why we need baptism and communion. Because we had the opportunity to visit the Nazi camp close to you. Being reminded of sin and death that is pretty much a strong part of this region's history. Those were some of the impressions um, that came to me during during this week. And as I was reflecting on these two experiences, I thought, how can I this morning combine it into what I hope will be a sensible way of preaching from God's Word? And so this morning, we had our scripture reading from Romans chapter 6, where Paul tackles the issue of baptism, the importance of baptism, and how we can deal with those villains, knowing that we are rooted in Christ through our baptism. How can we live a victorious life if we know these villains are still lurking around every corner? How is it possible that we can have a victorious life knowing that sin and death and the law is still well in the life? It's out there. How can we deal and yet be victorious in Christ? And those are the three themes I believe Paul addresses in Romans chapter, chapter 6. So the question this morning is if you are struggling in your Christian life, if you are facing challenges, if it's been a difficult start to this year on your Christian journey, 
If you feel you are failing, you are not living up to those expectations that you've set out with the beginning of the new year. If you are living a struggling Christian life, then I think Paul may be on to something this morning as we recollect his thoughts on baptism. How is it that if we have died with Christ in the ministry of baptism, how is it that that can enable us to live a victorious life? So bear with me. I believe those three aspects is well addressed in chapter 6. Now, maybe, maybe just before we head into this content, it's kind of important to understand that Paul has a different, a different perspective on Christ than what we find in the Gospels. Paul is not so interested, when we read his letters, in dealing with the suffering Christ or the suffering Jesus. He's much more interested in the glorified Christ. So where the gospel writers deal with, with Jesus being rejected by his people, his suffering, his death, and then ultimately his resurrection, we find that Paul in his letters hardly ever addresses anything of the kind. Most probably on two occasions, we would find him reflecting back on what the gospel shares with us in regards to Christ and his ministry. Paul is really not concerned to repeat what the gospel writers have shared with us. He wants to take the baton from them and head into not the suffering Jesus, but the glorified Christ. And also in chapter 6, it seems that he's addressing this topic. How can we live a victorious life with the glorified Christ? How is it that Christ, that is seated at the right hand of God, how is it that we share in such a position to live victoriously? The first thing that Paul addresses in regards to sin is that sin does not define us anymore. If we have died with Christ through the ministry of baptism, then sin cannot define us anymore. It's just about impossible. Now, this may not be a good example because this may give my age away. But back in South Africa, in my final school here, you, you kind of really had to, had to try and achieve a few things. Because close to those final exams, 
you would receive a testimonial from the headmaster. Would any of you be able to relate to that? You can maybe just, just raise your hands. One hand. Great. Well, thank you so much. I needed that. Thank you. So in my final school year, that, that would be very close to the end of those final exams. Um, and you just needed a very good testimonial because that could or could not open up some doors for you if you were applying for bursaries or scholarships or wanted to, um, to go study even abroad. Whatever was written in that testimonial could be key to your next step or your future. So the story goes that one final year student who was not through just about all of his high school career, just never kind of lived up to his full potential. He would take those shortcuts. Now, you don't need to put up your hand if that applies to you. But he knew that this was going to come back eventually and bite him from behind. And very nervously, it was time for him to go to the office to collect that envelope. And as he was walking back to class, he couldn't, he couldn't just not open it. And as he was walking back to class, he started reading the first paragraph. And he just stopped in his tracks. And he, he was like contemplating, should he go back to the office? Because he was convinced there was a mix-up. This was surely not him. And, and so he was walking and, and then finally decided he, he's just going to go back to the office. So he managed to, to quickly get some time with the headmaster and he said, Sir, this is, this is not me. Clearly there's been a mix-up. Um, maybe you can just check those files again. But the headmaster just looked at him and he said, no, there's, there's no mistake. Now you just need to go and make sure that you become that person in that letter. Your past does not define you. Because I have insight in your real potential. I know what you are able to. I know what you can achieve. Your biggest responsibility now, as you head into adulthood, is you need to become what this letter claims you are. Your past does not define you. In some ways, this is what I believe Paul is trying to tell us. Through our death with Jesus Christ, through the ministry of baptism, sin does not define us anymore. We cannot be labeled by it anymore. If Christ lives within us, we have a new 
identity. He states this very clearly in verse 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The second truth. So we've dealt with the first challenge, the first villain. The second one, Paul leaps directly into, kind of immediately. And that is death. Paul says death because we were baptized into the death of Christ and therefore can claim to be well and alive through his rising from the dead. Death does not hold us anymore. If sin does not define us, then death, for all practical reasons, cannot hold us anymore, cannot have a handle on us anymore, cannot claim to own us anymore, because it generates its power from sin. So those two kind of follow on each other. If sin does not define us, then clearly death cannot hold us. The late Billy Graham once preached to a congregation. And he said, one day you will read in the newspaper, kind of at the back, where you find those small notices. You will read of the death of Billy Graham. He said, but be careful. Don't believe anything that you read in the papers. That will be a lie. That will simply not be the truth. Billy Graham may not be around anymore, but he certainly is not dead. So Billy Graham, who knows? Maybe he read Romans 6. Maybe he just founded some other words. But he was saying pretty much the same thing. Death does not have a handle on me anymore. Death does not hold me. Because I've been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. This is how Paul How Paul mentions this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Death does not hold those that claim their baptism in Jesus Christ.
Finally, the third villain. Paul addresses this right at the end. The law cannot condemn us anymore. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace. Through our baptism in Jesus Christ, something quite amazing has happened. Because sin does not define us, death does not hold us. The law cannot charge us. The law cannot hold us prisoner anymore. That's the amazing thing about the grace that Paul shares as he continues his writings to the churches in Rome. The law now has a different function. We are not held to accountability because our life depends on it. But now... It becomes this amazing opportunity to have a life of thanksgiving and to honor God. Now we want to live according to God's expectations. Not because of those villains that we know are looking for us. But because we have a different identity, we are changed. In closing, it just so happens that I saw you have um, a baptism um, service coming up. And what a great opportunity you will have very soon to celebrate dying with Christ so that you can live here in Prague a life of victory. A resurrected life, spiritual, victorious life in Jesus Christ. And you will be celebrating that on the 14th, next Sunday. And as you will be doing that, celebrating baptism, celebrating the fact that dying in Christ has great spiritual meaning for each and every one of us. It's a celebration And I believe that is what you will be doing next Sunday. You will be celebrating especially these three truths from Romans chapter 6. If you step into baptism, if you identify with Jesus Christ, if you you claim him as Lord and Savior, and you are willing to die to yourself, then Paul reminds us that from within this church, you can be victorious. These villains cannot hold you accountable anymore. Dying in Christ 
means being victorious in three ways. Sin does not define you. Death does not hold you. And the law cannot condemn you. Praise to Jesus Christ. Glory to his name. Amen. Mike, is it okay if I do a, a final prayer? That would be great. Thank you so much. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we give you thanks because you know our challenges so well. You understand, Lord, how we at times need to fight these villains and it seems to be a losing battle. But this morning we claim that through our baptism we have died with Christ. This morning we claim the reality, a new reality maybe for some of us, that through our baptism we can be victorious. Lord, we thank you that you, as our forerunner, have managed to not only give us this insight, Lord, but the ability to appreciate this, to believe this, to practice this, and to claim it. We thank you that sin does not define me, that death does not hold me, and that the law cannot condemn me. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.